44,000 hours of the security tape of January 6th get uncovered by Tucker Carlson. Two Americans die in Mexico, and congressional Democrats try to make two Democratic journalists reveal the sources. That and much, much more on the Pool Guitar. My name is Zachary Groper. I'm Cooper Brown. And if you want to help us against Deep State, make sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure to like us. So, Cooper, take us on for that first story. Yeah, so uh, earlier this week, Kevin McCarthy, who is the Speaker of the House, released um, over 40,000 hours of security footage from the dreaded January 6th riots that occurred uh, so many years ago. Uh, it's obnoxious how we're still talking about this, but apparently this is still a mainstream news story because whatever democratic media refused to let the story go because it's the only thing that gives them they can make headlines off of so um but it's kind of we we're learning everything that we kind of as were speculative before kind of we now have very substantial evidence um what was occurring one of the biggest things that has come from this footage is that um we see police officers opening the doors for individuals, uh, fanning them in. Uh, one of the big kind of um, headpieces of this whole, of the whole January 6th uh, event that uh, mainstream media and the Democrats were pointing to was this guy they labeled the uh, QAnon shaman, I believe. He's the guy with the, the horns, with the face paint, with the, carrying the American flag. And lots of video of him was, uh, has been surfaced, uh, displayed on Tucker Carlson's show of him being escorted around through with police officers, uh, more than half a dozen of them being there present at a time, uh, trying to unlock doors for him, letting him through. Um, but it's it's baffling why this took so long to uncover. Why did it take so long for this footage, which they had day one? Why did it take three th over three years now for this to surface? I mean, not only that, when you see the QAnon shaman, where they call him, <laughs> designate him as, it seems like it's more, it's just more indicative of what's going on. And he's been in prison. He got a sentence for four years in prison. Mm -hmm. Not only that, he got sentenced for four years in prison, which is violation of individual rights, as you see it as. And, I mean, I don't know if we're talking about, but Joe Biden even referred to people protesting as MAGA Republican extremists. So it seems yeah. like, and also as you see from that video, I mean, you see this that he's actually not intently doing anything harm. He's getting walked around by Capitol police officers around the entire building. So it kind of shows you, <laughs> obviously, he hasn't done anything wrong. And it seems mm -hmm. like our system has lied about it and has failed to mention stuff that's important for the American people to know. So, and it, it took until a Fox News correspondent to talk about it. It took mm -hmm. two years, and people, what they should have been doing, the January 6th committee, which they completely lied about, they completely lied about and fabricated the part that, well, look what's going on. Obviously, there's two media sources, CNN and Fox News. They want to portray their own narrative in one way or another. But when, it, when you're talking about a, a citizen who was obviously not doing an insurrection, he wanted to visit the Capitol, and he, and he thought he was protesting for a cause. He wasn't trying to get rid of the entire system as a whole. And to do that, to me, is a failure of our democracy, of our republic, really to address that. And 
at least now we get evidence on that. But I mean, I don't think that's enough. And the the annoying thing is that uh, I believe Benny Thompson, who is the chairman of the January 6th committee, they had access to all this footage years ago. Like this whole committee has been, you know, you would think been examining the footage and making their conclusions off it, except he admitted that no one in the committee had watched any of this footage, that they left it up to their constituents to watch it and tell them what was going on about it. So they just told them, oh yeah, there was violence going on in this part of the building, this person is guilty, um, which we understand there was violence that day, but you have to understand that there was basically two completely separate entities. There was one on the west side, which was having the violence, um, which were breaking the windows and committing vandalism, which we've all seen the footage of, and that you know, is obviously very, very bad. Those people should be prosecuted for their crimes. But then there's the people that were actually let into the building uh, by the police officers on the east side. And that's the people that we're talking about now, the people that we've seen um, in prison for two or more years that have been in uh, solitary co confinement for more than two years, um, which has got to do, I mean, terrible, terrible wreckage on the soul. I, I can't imagine uh, being in, in prison for that long for something where you're walking alongside uh, police officers and they're letting you in and yeah. you just think, oh, I'm doing like the police officers, the police officers are here. There's nothing I can be doing wrong, but you know, you just get thrown under the bus, get raided by the FBI and sent to prison. See, this is what I see. Like when you, when you see stuff like the QAnon trauma, it seems like they want to symbolize the, the agenda the, or the narrative, let's say that the Democrats are trying to push. And you know, they give them four years for something. If, if like, like you said, they didn't even know about the January 6th committee and they lied in front of mm. the, the uh, Congress. They lied about what actually took place. And even if they didn't know about it and their constituents probably knew about it because they reviewed the tapes, they should have at least dressed that fact. And that is a violation. Now it's coming out. But hopefully there's this thing I was looking up. Okay, how can you contest a, a case after it's happened if there's someone's already been incarcerated? And under the Constitution, you can. And we're going to try to be... Uh, constitutional constitutional lawyers here. We'll try and do that. We'll see. <laughs> Don't take our advice. We're not smart. Don't so. take our advice. So we're, not, we're not very reputable. But you know, we're just giving our opinion. So I was just looking into it. It's been called habeas corpus, which is Article One, Section Nine, Clause Two of the Constitution. And actually, I wrote something on our Twitter page about it. If you want to look at it, but it says that under habeas corpus, someone can contest a, a trial on your behalf and bring it back to the court on a jury but the, the thing about that though is that if there's a rebellion and it says that explicitly if, a, if unless there's a rebellion or an invasion takes place that you can't contest it and as you see from the beginning of january 6th without explicit evidence and we're showing a certain narrative and they shown on the public that they only mentioned one side and that they label them as extremists as joe biden mentioned madcap republican extremists labeling them as that and Insurrections are pretty much just a violent violence to take over the government in the same way as a rebe rebellion is. So it kind of the same uh, definition, really. And it kind of seems like, oh, maybe they can't. Now, since it's called an insurrection, they have to change their name if they will actually do anything positive in that way. And maybe releasing people who got wrongly convicted. But it seems like there's other measures as well. But, like, what is your take on that, Cooper? Yeah, I mean, 
some people are getting because of the fact that they're labeling them as insurrectionists as um, terrorists in some regards that they're getting um, way extended sentences than they typically normally would like if you were trespassing in the piece of property you're not going to see 20 years in prison that some people are seeing um, and with possible outcomes like that no wonder you see people taking plea bargains um, in the hundreds uh, that you know are just saying you know what fine I admit to participating in this stuff and um, the the crazy thing about these plea bargains is that they're written by um, the the other side of the legal case right so they can get them to admit to ridiculous notions like the fact that this was a planned insurrection that Donald Trump had coerced them to to um, going to the Donald to the Capitol building to to overthrow the election, um, which is just complete nonsense because we know how much the mainstream media gets involved in cases like this and have so much influence that they it's it's become this weird revert this like circled um, this like circularization of self uh, self fulfilling prophecy. The self-fulfilling prophecy, excuse me, and <laughs> uh, where the media then pushes a narrative and then that narrative gets really big and then their influence forces people to make the, to admit that their narrative is correct. And then they again use yeah. those testimonies to support their narrative again. I mean, absolutely, I completely agree with you. And the damaging part of that, what you're talking about, is labeling them as extremists. Mm -hmm. as a group as extremists or as a terrorist organization it gives the authority under the u.s patriot act to have surveillance techniques. this is what the scary aspect to have surveillance attacks surveillance techniques on your own citizens mm -hmm. to do under the um the dhs department of homeland security they can enforce these measures and that's what you see is taking place as labeling them as terrorists as stuff you can do stuff that removes your civil liberties in many ways because then you know they're they're insurrectionists. Not they don't have the same rights as American citizens, which that's the scary part about it. But um, there's this program called the which actually which is just I think came out a couple actually just got released a couple two days ago. But it's been in effect for like a year now. It's called the Over Human Intelligence Collection Program, and what it is is that it gives the DHS the authority to go inside prisons and interview who already prisoners about without consult from lawyers and without reading the Miranda rights, which is a complete violation of the sixth amendment of the constitution. I mean, you, you could see found, founding fathers probably rolling their eyes right now about what's going on. I mean, it really is. And you see all these incar incarcerated journey six people and you're like, well, is this, first of all, is this constitutional? But also, I mean, what do we see going on, right? Why are we allowing this to take place? And we're not doing anything about it. It's not mentioned in the news at all. And you see this correlation between what happened with people incarcerated, people on January 6th, and what's going on in mainstream media. But, you know, I also wanted to point out, Cooper, you have the article pulled out? And so yeah, sure, I'll pull it up. Out. So, a guy named Chris Hedges, who's actually not uh, a Republican. He's a he's a Democrat of any means. He attacked Republicans in 2007, but he was he called the January 6th uh, 
insurrection as unlawful. And he actually pointed out something very interesting, actually. He pointed out something. Uh, let me get on my end as well. Cooper. But he pointed out that this was not the first time in, on a, in a congressional office that has t- taken place. So actually, before this, the January 6th thing took place, a young environmental activist from the Sunrise Movement called the Sunrise Movement, anti-war activists called Code Pink, and even congressional staffers have engaged in numerous occupations of congressional offices and interrupted congressional hearings. So that's what it says in the article. So it's kind of very interesting that you see that um, taking place. Why is that the journey six saying the first time it, it leads you to the question, why is the journey six the first time people started talking about it? Now you could say it's because they organized this beforehand because Trump actually organized this beforehand and people knew about it beforehand, but still doesn't, get away from the fact that this actually has taken place before and actual in congressional office meetings has taken has taken place before of other movements so why is the January 6th the first time they're talking about it so well it's because clearly this is an this is an incident that they'll never let go because it's so grand they wish that they can run on this for the end of time because it's such a a at the time there was so much fear and anger around the situation, I guess you, you'd say that, um, that they saw it as a home run win for them for, and as long as they can bring up January 6th, that the Democrats could basically never lose an election. And I don't think that's, I don't think that to be the case. I think at this point, America is pretty well sick and tired of hearing about January 6th so many years later. So I think, um, I think if they play on this uh, card too much, it's actually gonna bite them in the back. Because now we have so much more information. Now we have these um, these thousands of hours of, of footage. You know, to be honest, most of that footage is probably like empty rooms and not people doing anything. But um, still, thousands of hours of, of people that are convicted um, that had plea bargains, basically proving their innocence. You know, a certain uh, a large majority of them. But I want to shift gears a tiny bit and talk a little bit about the backlash that Tucker Carlson uh, specifically has been getting um, because he was given the story, um, given all this footage by Kevin McCarthy, um, where that has become the new story of the week, basically. It's not, it's no longer what the footage shows. It's about how can we attack Tucker Carlson, who I don't know if you've ever listened to Tucker Carlson. I mean, I, my dad listened to Tucker Carlson. He might be the only good thing about Fox News, uh, to be honest, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, just the relentless attacks that people have been, um, uh, kind of directed towards him, like Mitch McConnell, who's not really a Republican, you know, he's pretty rhino. Um, he said that his, uh, coverage of the event was, um, distasteful, you know, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, even though he did admit at the start of his segment that he acknowledged that there was a section of people that were rioting and a section of people that um, were peaceful. Uh, so that is an example of, um, of Mitch McConnell playing the words there a little bit. And then Chuck Schumer, I think had the, had the, uh, the greatest quote where he said that, uh, Tucker Carlson's releasing of this footage was an attack on democracy and that, uh, he should be fired and not be allowed to report, um, literally calling for the censorship of a journalist which I don't know if you remember, Zach, just a couple years ago that if Donald Trump ever said anything bad about a journalist, 
that was labeled attack on democracy. But when it's the Democrats doing it to uh, someone on Fox News, then who cares? Doesn't matter because it's not truly about democracy for them. It's about winning. You know, it's just interesting. Like going off what you said, Anderson Cooper said about Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. that he's he's just a Trump uh, propagandist. Even though they keep doubling down that Tucker Carlson disliked Trump in emails, so it's mm-hmm. like pick a side here, right? <laughs> the, the, the thing, right? What I'm saying oh. is like they know after what happened to Jan- to me in my profession, they know what happened after the January 6 uh, videos t- uh, got released. That they have to figure out some narrative to push and trying to build their CNN audience or MSNBC audience to go on their side and not, you know, actually see the truth of the matter. Because to just double down and say, oh, this is a lie, it's a lie, it's just a Trump propagandist. That's the only way they can mm-hmm. keep, you know, keep pushing that narrative. But, you know, also, you know, Adam Schiff also, you know, mm-hmm. w- which I like to call him as Shifty Schiff, also came down with tapes and he called, um, he said that Tucker Carlson was just doing it for profit. He, he has a lot of nerve to say that. He is one of his biggest uh, lobbyist donations is from Raytheon Technologies, an arm manufacturer who gave one point five million dollars to Ukrainian aid. And you see, I'm Schiff is one of the biggest proponents of a uh, Ukrainian intervention. So, who's who, uh, actually? I think it was a missile system as well, actually. Mm-hmm. But who's who's? I mean, who's doing more for money? in this situation bringing u.s americans possibly to war or someone who's actually trying to tell the truth about a situation about someone who's actually trying to reveal the truth about some man mm-hmm. who got unlawfully went to prison for his actions yeah uh, i mean i don't i don't know if i want to bring this part up because this is literally the trash the dumpster fire of all of tv but the view if we want to bring the view up as well right. they they themselves also talked about how um uh Tucker Carlson, this should be illegal to lie to the public or knowingly lie is what they say in air quotes, even though, come on, Whoopi, we all know what you're doing behind the scenes. Like we've just gone through like three instances where uh, public officials are lying to the American people. Like we know you're lying too. It's not anything um, surprising, but when we have actual footage of something that happened, that is a lie. Instead of just you spouting off whatever nonsense you want, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to bring the view up too much because again, they are a big trash heap. Um, no one should watch them ever because it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a little bit more uh, damaging. I think is because a lot of these narratives around January six are still perpetrating, right? Even though we now have more concrete evidence because of this footage being released. Um, that these things are not the case. So one of them, uh, one of the examples obviously was the fact that um, that an officer was killed uh, during that time. There was reports by, um, um, what news outlet was it? It was the New York Times, right? The New York Times had a lot of articles about a police officer that was beaten to death by a fire extinguisher, I believe. Um, officer Brian uh, Sicknick, I believe, was, I believe is his name. Oh, yeah. Except... We now have footage of him supposedly at the time of his de- his beating, basically him walking around, you know, continuing his job. And we know, okay, that theory is completely debunked, even though articles are still up on the New York Times um, saying that he was killed by a fire extinguisher. 
He later passed away, yes, um, the day after. But can you attrate the same thing? Can you attrate him, I believe, having a heart attack to the events of January 6th? Never in any history of any protest or riots has in a, has a death of a police officer days days after been attributed to um, the cause or the, the individuals committing the act of violence days prior. I mean, it's possible that, that that's the case. I mean, stress maybe had a factor in that, but we don't do we don't do that with things like the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening in 2020, where there was frankly a lot more damage done spanning way more days but if an officer died days after an event i mean we don't label that the fault of the rioters or the protesters but we do it in january 6. you know you know it's interesting you bring up the blm protests because what i see that brian sitnick he's like uh the george floyd of january 6. did it kind of like symbolize <laughs> it kind of symbolized the extremism of the MAGA republicans trying to bring down the american republic and if you support mm -hmm. them you're anti-american but it's kind of like that it's kind of like they mm -hmm. use a narrative they bring they like they prop someone up uh, like a proper figure like brian setnick even though I, he probably wouldn't agree on it i mean who knows if he was alive but you know propping someone up for their cause is kind of a symbol to say well you know they did mm -hmm. kill someone they killed brian setnick but i mean that's what i see well i mean there's yeah. actual people that did die that day we all know about ashley babbitt who was shot by the police, you know, trying to enter a window. Um, and then there was another individual that we don't really talk too much about. Her name was uh, Rosian Boyland, I believe, um, who was killed by a police officer named uh, Lilla Morris. Um, she was beaten to death by her, uh, by that officer with her, with her baton. And so there were people that died there. They were all People considered protesters or rioters. I don't know. Want to use that label? But the only people that died that day in that location were done by the hands of law enforcement, right? But the narrative is: Can we find? Can we find any instance of of the narrative we like, and then we'll exacerbate it as much as possible? And that's where you get the stories of the police officer dying. Um, that becomes headline news, but then. Instances like Ashley Babbitt and um, uh, Mrs. Boyland, um, you know, those are just ignored, swept under the rug. We don't talk about those because uh, we don't want to. No, that's true. Oh, man, I just like, I mean, we see the country changing and like, you know, we used to be for certain things, you know, for individual rights and stuff. And it seems like we're trying to get away from that. And this kind of proves, you're, you know, you're attacking a whole group of demographic who pertain who have a like a political way of thinking whether you say they're mag or republicans but label them as extremists i mean this is almost 50 percent of the country i mean that, that's what's damaging to me when you label like that it's obviously going to create even more of a resentment and polarization in the country but you know i, I thought it was kind of uh, similar to an incident i was actually like as a writer from the past a man named like alexander solzhenitsyn i don't know if you've heard of him cooper mm -hmm. but you know he wrote the gulag archipelago he was like the soviet dissident and he talked about the Soviet Union and he said a lot of like the public figures who went against the party who were like big people in the, you know, the party, the Soviet Union mm -hmm. party, whatever party, it's just one government, but they had um, trials and they're all kangaroo courts.
just to mm -hmm. have like an attention yeah. and to show how long they are. And like you're saying, plea bargains kind of force them to um, force, you know, to, to sign certain stuff, to agree on stuff that they, they did something wrong, that they did these mm -hmm. things wrong. And, and that's what he's, he warned about the West warned about happening that's taking place because and you could see similarities between what happened with january 6 afterwards these showcases that you're obviously knew you're going to convict them because what happened out of day and because of the motions what taking place between the capitol building and stuff you see that taking place but for them not to give these people a chance to actually uh, mention what they're saying or to have these such quick trials and incarcerated up to four years without any actual evidence from the video kind of shows that this is what's taking place or these the same tactics used from the soviet area to right now yeah i think we'll we'll really see in the next coming weeks um if we still have a justice system in the united states because if no one gets exonerated because of this evidence if people don't get let free we we'll know that the system is totally rigged and Absolutely. there's no hope Absolutely. for the country um but uh i'd like us to focus our attention a little bit more on another story that occurred which i think is a really big deal. I don't know if you feel the same way about me, but um, uh, over the last week or so, I believe, um, uh, two Americans were killed in Mexico. Four of them were kidnapped. Um, you know, Zach, if you want to explain a little bit kind of the background of that. If I remember the background, it was, okay. There was four Americans who went the border and they're kidnapped by Mexican cartel two of them died of course well they were killed i believe and they were two, they two were, were yeah the two of them killed yes of course they were killed but kids right. are mistaken as um haitian drug smugglers but that gives no right to i mean kill someone especially as an american citizen mm -hmm. but i mean this, this is kind of reminiscent of a bigger issue um within american national security in a sense like what i want to see is like why are we peddling all this kind of money all the way to ukraine if we can't secure mm. American lives within our borders, and you see drug smugglers bringing up um, drugs to the borders and, you know, mm -hmm. killing millions of Americans out. And I think, Cooper, there's a statistic that you were mentioning very interesting about that. Oh, oh, and about that, fentanyl in particular. Yeah, fentanyl. where fentanyl, yes, fentanyl. Um, I've been kind of studying the rise of fentanyl for the last maybe year or so, and it's um, since basically the COVID era um, lockdowns. Uh, ODs of opioids have increased so dramatically that at this point now we're almost a, I think we're a surpassed over a hundred thousand deaths due to overdoses a year and just in the United States alone. Um, that is one of the now largest causing deaths in the United States more. I know how much Democrats love to harp on guns. That's three times as many uh, deaths from opioids and it does guns, right? And so right. there's so much um, negative impact that has been created because of, frankly, Joe Biden's border policy um, and yeah. being so lax on it. Uh, that's kind of what this instance, this death of these several Americans, which anytime Americans die, particularly overseas, that's a huge deal. And, and um, even, even more so than even in something like a Ukraine event, kind of what's going on, because no Americans have lost their lives to that, right? So you can still kind of pitter-patter around that issue a little bit, even though we're sending billions and billions of dollars. But when Americans lose their lives uh, somewhere so close, just, just across the border, 
uh, that feels a little more home, at least particular to me. Um, but now we kind of have some GOP uh, individuals um, advocating for calling uh, these cartel groups, because there's various forms of them, uh, terrorist organizations. So that way it now becomes no longer a law enforcement um, issue. It can now be a military issue and there could be a little more military intervention um, without the necessity to have the approval of the Mexican government, which is basically the cartel as well. So, yo, oh man, it was interesting. Let me, let me try to pull that up. Uh, man, I forgot the thing called, but there was an act that actually allowed that a law enforcement, uh, armed enforcement mm -hmm. act, which allowed uh, the president from the Wars Power Act, which Wars Power Act is really what was created after Vietnam War to counteract kind of president's policies to go into countries without the permission of Congress uh, to engage in that. But this allowed, this act allowed um, Americans to deploy for, to deploy like missiles against who they deem as like terrorist groups, terrorist organizations abroad overseas. So like you're saying, if they label Mexican cartels as terrorist groups, then it kind of gives the authority of the executive. But the executive, like you said, the executive doesn't care. Um, about the Congress, really. I mean, it's it's been years since they don't. They, they really don't. They really don't care. Which is probably to me one of the most troubling things because this has been going mm -hmm. on since the '70s. And like, there was a thing in the Wars Power Act to counteract what happened in Vietnam. You see, thousands of Americans died in Korea as well. That they can pretty much just go bypass Congress and just go to these places like Vietnam and just deploy soldiers and saying, "Well, we're just having military action. It's not necessarily a war, but the con." But which is interesting about the war's power is that I think it gave them not, you had to have congressional approval mm -hmm. and it gave them 90 days um, in this certain place before they would have to withdraw or Congress declares war. But you see from that standpoint, no American president has done that at all. They just bypassed Congress because mm -hmm. you can with an executive order. I mean, after it takes place, you can't really defuse the situation, really. Well, that's how and, we know, lead to endless thing. wars. Absolutely. I agree with that. And the Mexican, I mean, that's the thing. I don't, generally, I wouldn't agree with going, engaging in a conflict, especially so near home. But I do see this as an issue, a prevailing issue. Mm -hmm. and then, like, Ukraine, I don't want us to go in this world war. It's something that's not our matter, our, you know, for our um, American security doesn't matter as much as something in Mexico, which is mm -hmm. something right at home. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm from California. I know you are, but it's like right across the border. And people in Texas and New Mexico, I mean, it's right across the border. So that's what I'm saying. No, not New Mexico, Arizona. But right. I mean, you're from Arizona. But this, right. you see that right in the ball home, and you see this stuff taking place. So I mean, I think it's a little different because now we have death in, inside the border because of these because of these cartels, and then we have death outside the border because of these cartels. I don't see the fact. I don't see it being reasonable that the United States would ever put military troops on the ground. What we would do is we'd send a ballistic missile, blow up the leaders of the cartel, and then, you know, be done in an afternoon. Um, which, you know, I'm not... If it was to the extent of that, then I'm in favor of it. But you never trust um, these dummies to... Um, with kind of power like that because you know... They smell any anything, uh, you know. We'll have troops there for fifty years, so I'm right. a little, 
I'm skeptical about it. I kind of like the idea of just, you know, bombing these these cartel leaders because their actions for profit, for money, your the, your favorite thing in the world, um, uh, has resulted in the deaths of, of millions of Americans at this point. Um, but this also leads to another issue of the incompetency of Joe Biden um, and his administration. The, the FBI director, uh, Chris Ray said that um, when uh, individuals are coming into the country illegally, they basically, uh, there's zero tracking of them. There's v zero um, attempt to, uh, to know where these people are, what they're doing. They just kind of let them go, which has drastic implications because these are the people that are then pouring these drugs into the country. Um, up, I mean, at this point, the total number of illegal immigrants is probably, oh, it was in the, the 20,000 several years ago. It must be in the, the 50,000 the 50, plus at this point. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, Vivek Goswami, I don't know if you know him, he's like a presidential candidate. He was pretty much talking about, it was kind of interesting what he said, because no one really talks about this, going into Mexico mm -hmm. and going and attacking the cartels themselves. He said kind of similar incidents. And, you know, maybe we'll see more of that rhetoric later on in in the Republican uh, debates. But, you know, for now, if, you know, uh, excuse me. But, you know, now it's kind of interesting, it, the parallel between if we were to launch missiles at Mexican cartels, would they organize fast as like terrorist groups? Because as actual terrorist groups, like Islamic groups, because I'm saying if we launch missiles, they're all they're actually all for profit. It's not like people in who are ISIS or Al Qaeda who kind of have an ideological or ideological ideologically driven. So that kind of makes you think, well, I mean, maybe it would be so quick if we were to you know take these Mexican cartels because they're all driven by profit. They don't really care about, you know, whether they keep the cartel, they want their money. So it kind of like I could see that it can possibly work if we were to just go quickly deploy missiles or troops. But, you know, again, I want again, I'd rather do missiles. I don't want to have American lives die in Mexican soil. But Oh, yeah, that's absolutely not. I mean, enough American lives have, have been lost in that regards. Anyways, I think missiles would be, you know, if something like this were ever to come to pass. Um, but we're running out of time, Zach. I know you had one other thing you wanted to bring up really quick. So if you want to do that. Really quickly, really, really quickly. So the Twitter files are happening again. We talked about <laughs> some past videos, but it seems very interesting. It seems really interesting because with the congressional hearings that's going on right now with actually Jim Jordan, he's probably the only patriot, probably one of the only patriots right now in our Congress. He's a Republican. Um, but he's, you know, tackling big tech. Well, now he's actually tackling the federal government head on. He brought in two journalists who uncovered the Twitter files, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, and they uncovered uh, the Twitter files, and they're actually Democrats, by the way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're sickened by the way that people are getting censored, and you see congressional Democrats, like, I think, I believe her name was Pluckett, and you see a couple, and I think uh, Congressman Goldman, you see him asking these questions to them, trying to get them to reveal sources about possibly Elon Musk telling them about what happened to Twitter files and going against completely the first amendment. And, you know, it's kind of interesting um, that that's going against the first amendment, but also there's something about, which I thought was kind of interesting. We talked about the military industrial complex in past videos, but they, but uh, Michael Schellenberger talked about something called this, 
called the censorship industrial complex, big tech, NGOs, and government. And what you see is kind of like the state government is going, ex-state government officials are going inside Twitter and they're talking to people in the state government about suppressing certain tweets on users who are conservative. So you see that taking place, which is mentioned in Twitter profiles, which we're obviously not mentioning in the news because it reveals something else. But also we see, and this is explicitly a tweet that Jim Jordan was reading that he found from the Twitter files that they gave to him. And he was saying the Joe, you know, Joe Biden's White House, I think right after he got elected, they flagged a tweet from Twitter and they flagged a tweet from, I don't know, Robert Kennedy Jr. Because he referred to Hank Aaron as, you know, died from the COVID vaccine. So you see this explicitly taken account from that administration. But like last thing I want to mention is that you see congressmen backtracking on what they're saying by saying, you know, giving, saying the flag a tweet is not actually giving an order. Because you see the FBI doing the same thing that, oh, you're not, we're not actually giving an order for, for a big tech to actually do it because we're flagging a tweet. They could do whatever they want. But I mean, when you say flag this tweet, you're like, yeah, do this or else. Yeah, you're you know, telling them right? to do something. You're giving them you're an order. To do so. You're telling them to do something. But I mean, this is like marvelous. I mean, I hope something comes out of it. We'll see. But I don't know. But man, this is, this really shows how complicit they are. This shows like in detail like what they're actually doing because these are specific examples. So you see, there's like, oh yeah, they're, you know, they're a company. They don't have to protect the First Amendment. But well, look, you see all these examples of government influence they can't really say there's nothing anymore so yeah, I just want yeah. To point when the out. government is then telling the corporation to do things then it does by proxy they're infringing on the first amendment so very Absolutely. a very compelling story i'm sure much more will be um revealed in the coming weeks as those hearings continue but zach it's always a great time to hear and, and speak about the news um, if you enjoy listening to us Please like and subscribe, share to any of those who you think would be interested in listening to us. We really enjoy doing this. Um, and we can't wait to come back again with the, the latest of uh, news in the terms of world and politics.